Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Sherry Keffer and I'm so excited to be here today with Encourage Gathering 2020. I am delighted to be here to be able to speak to us all today and I, I am talking on the topic of intimate deception and sexual betrayal. So intimate deception and how do I heal my wounds of sexual betrayal? Let me tell you a little bit about myself first. Um, I have a website called braveone.com, B-R-A-V-E-O-N-E.com. I'm a doctor of marriage and family therapy. I've done that for over 20 years. I'm a certified partner trauma therapist and also a supervisor. I'm a certified sex addiction therapist. And what that means is I understand also what's going on uh, with somebody who is compulsively sexually acting out or who's got sexual integrity issues or who might have had an affair or even serial affairs. I'm a certified clinical partner specialist and I'm also a trauma expert and consultant in something called EMDR. I have had some retreats that I call bravery after betrayal. It takes fear of strength. And I see us as very strong. When we get the resources and information we need, we, we rise up and we are lovers and fighters of each other. We actually do encourage one another in betrayal. Those that have come into my Brave One community, um, which is also on my website. They are amazing women who fight for themselves and encourage one another and fight for those they love. So what do you do when your life as you know it falls apart? We are absolutely devastated. Betrayal is a deliberate act of disloyalty. It actually comes from the ancient Hebrew words. And, and these words were back in the days when they were written much like hieroglyphics, like Egyptian or um, Chinese, there were word pictures to convey a message. So there's two ideas. To betray is rima, which means what comes from a person of chaos. And then to deceive, badad, is to hide, to cover, to offend, to deal unfaithfully with. We've got a lot of common responses to betrayal trauma. We feel like we're not enough. We, we ask ourselves, we kind of look around and go, I can't believe this is happening to me. We isolate from others because I can't tell anyone what's happening, what's going on. We've got anxiety and fear. What am I going to do? Tremendous grief and loss and sadness because the life and relationship we once had is no longer. We feel more irritated, angry, and rageful. Like, how, how could they have done this to me? And many of us wonder if we're going to get a sexually transmitted disease. We're scared. There's these intrusive thoughts that we can't get out of our mind. They just spin over and over again. And so many of us feel confused. We wonder if we're going crazy. Well, I want you to know you're not alone and you're definitely not crazy. Crazy is happening around you. We, we really do have symptoms of acute stress and post-traumatic stress from the shock and that far-reaching impact, that mind-numbing disbelief from the text you've read, the pictures you've uncovered, or the conversations that you've actually overheard, or even worse, that unforgettable situation you unknowingly walked into. It's, it's like walking into an angry nest of wasps, hemorrhaging from an overdose of poisonous venom may actually be a more merciful way to go. Think about it. There's striking similarities, right? Uh, a honeybee can only sting once, and as its barbed weapon becomes lodged in its victim, it actually ends the bee's life. 
but a wasp sticker stinger that actually remains intact so it can sting over and over and over again when we've been betrayed and we're still living with someone who's either sexually addicted or a serial cheater this chronic pain and ongoing deception just continues to sting us over and over again we're all walking wounded i, I know i've heard your stories and i have my own so my story um, starts when I um, grew up actually in a home where there was a lot of painful things that happened and some severe mental illness. And so when I met Connor, uh, my husband, he was actually working at a church. He was a pastor there. And I felt like Cinderella slipping her foot into this glass slipper because I thought, oh my goodness, He's an amazing person. He's a pastor and had a large following and had written articles and a lot of people that really cared about him and loved him. I didn't realize that um, he had an issue that had been going on for years. I knew one years. I knew one thing. Uh, when we were engaged, actually, he had told me that he called the 900 number. And at that point, I... A 900 number I didn't even know what they they were and come to find out that it was a sex line where they would you know talk with somebody and and sexually act out um, over the phone heartbroken um, I I didn't know what to do with that and I did what I think many of us might have done on that day as an engaged person I spiritualized it and decided to forgive Connor and move forward. I mean, I, I just had to look at my own life and realize that, you know, I wasn't perfect. And so I didn't ask him any more questions. I, at that time, I wouldn't even have known what to ask. I do now, but back then I had no idea. And so basically I moved forward. Once we were married, after we got into our marriage about six months in, he began to pull away. And I didn't understand what that was all about. Come to find out, he had been looking at pornography and beginning to sexually act out again. And so during the course of our marriage, there was pornography, affairs, multiple affairs, prostitutes, and painfully, while our marriage ended in a casualty, um, my life has been anything but that. I, um, in what I call a do-over phase, um, went back to school and began to really study what happened to me and um, at, at a really deep level. And that's why I'm here today is that I didn't have anybody to explain all of this to me. I didn't have anybody to tell me about the impact of trauma or to guide me in where I needed to go. And I felt very overwhelmed. It took years to dig out. And my hope for you is that it won't have to take that same long time i hope to get the one who's acting out through you into their own care and you into your own care as well so traditional traditional models of partner treatment the old model is a disease model and it basically looks at us as betrayed partners as we are sick we're co-sex addicts we're addicted to our husbands we 
there's phrases like we're two heat-seeking missiles that found each other and we need to stop policing and stop supervising and stop being a detective. Those are the old way of looking at us. The assumption has been that if we are the spouse of a sex addict, then we're automatically labeled a co-sex addict. Not everybody who struggles with sexual acting out is an addict. Um, there's tests that they can take by those that have been trained and certified in sex addiction therapy to see where they're at. But all of that hurts us and we've been automatically labeled, um, given a label that doesn't really fit many of us. Until someone by the name of Dr. Barbara Steffens created something called a multidimensional and trauma model, um, trauma and abuse model, that happened around 2005. And there's someone by the name of Dr. Omar Minwala who created another term, it's sex addiction induced trauma. And this is where really the impact of sex addiction causes big changes in us and symptoms of trauma and post-traumatic stress. Because what the life we knew is now fragmented and, and we don't feel safe at any level. So it's really a new way of seeing us as betrayed partners. This new way is this trauma model that we're impacted there's no labels, no name calling, and we address the behaviors really through a trauma lens. So the idea is of self-care, of we've been impacted by trauma, and it's an empowerment model because we need to be seen and stabilized, and our story needs to be validated. It's almost like, and I talk about this often, like being in an ICU ward in a hospital, uh, first things first, right? We, we walk in and if you went into an ICU ward and you had an arm that was hanging down because you just got in a major accident, it was hanging by a tendon, you're in a lot of pain. If the doctor would have you come in and if he were to look at you and say, oh, wow, I can see that you're in a lot of pain and your arm is hanging down there. Um, why don't you tell me about the time you fell out of the tree when you were eight years old? Yeah, that would be insane. That, that would not feel good to you. And so I want you to know in the trauma model, the ICU ward is basically I see you and something wrong has happened to you. So when all this debate was going on about this old model and the new model and the trauma model, I decided to start doing some of my own research. So I did some research with 100 women and their average age was about 49. They were anywhere between 29 and 72 years old. They had been married. The average marriage was 20 years, but some of them had been married one month to 48 years. And you know what I found? I found that 76% of us had clinical symptoms of post-traumatic stress. 76%, three out of four of us. And it was so surprising to me. Then I asked him, well, while both of these situations are very hurtful and damaging to you, which one feels more damaging? And I asked him two questions in lie of denial and deceit. A was, the no, is the knowledge about my partner's sexual acting out behaviors, is that more damaging? Or B, is it the continued pattern of lies that were used after I found out about my partner's sexual acting out behaviors? Guess what we said? 65% of us said it's the continued lies after the sexual 
behaviors, right? After the betrayal was discovered. It's that those lies hurt us so much. Now that doesn't mean the knowledge of what we found out, the types of sex acts, and they were everything from pornography, affairs, masturbation, looking at porn, um, serial cheating, um, finding out that their spouse was with someone of the same sex when they married as a heterosexual. There was all kinds of behaviors. Um, but it hurts to have somebody continue to lie. It hurts to have them act out, but it hurts to have them lie after betrayal. So this phrase that's often just thrown around out there is addicts lie. They lie a lot. And, and it's, that's not to be taken lightly because for every act of sexual deception, there's a lie that damages a woman or a man on the other side. So then I asked all of us in the survey, I said, would you be willing to stay in your relationship and work through the difficulties of healing and recovery if your partner were to stop lying? Guess what we said? The vast majority of them, 88% of the women said they would be willing to stay if their partner stopped lying. That was profound. And that's when I wrote my book, Intimate Deception, Healing the Wounds of Sexual Betrayal. It's 20 chapters of what we need to do to heal. Because I figured if 88% of us were willing to stay and work through, if they were to stop lying and sexually acting out, then we have a chance at not only restoring ourselves but our home. But I know that there are two things that every single one of us needs. There are two pillars that every betrayed partner must have in order to restore trust. And those things are safety and the truth. When we understand sexual betrayal, it's not just one thing. There's a relational trauma, sexual trauma. There's, you know, post-traumatic stress symptoms. There's sometimes there's complex trauma for some of us. And then there's these things that I call the dirty dozen. They're layers of impact. And so I'm going to just kind of skip a rock through them to help you kind of see how far and wide this depth of trauma goes down. The first layer of trauma is the discovery trauma, and that's what you find. That might be the message you read on the phone or the computer or the condom you found in the car. It's some piece of evidence that there is betrayal. The next is disclosure trauma, and that is basically what you are told. And so there's something called a therapeutic full disclosure. And I talk about this in my chapter. In the book I wrote, it, there's a chapter called To Tell the Truth. And I describe what a therapeutic full disclosure is all about. Because I realized that in the word, world of disclosures, it's kind of been the wild, wild west. People share that, you know, the one who's betraying often hedges their bet and only shares the things that they think that you can live through. And oftentimes there's trickle disclosures, right? It's drips and drabs of information. And it's kind of like getting hand or a grenade every time you find out about something else. Then there's deception trauma. And I created a term called intimate deception, betrayal trauma, IDBT, because this stuff hurts us. You lied to me. The person I trusted most lied over and over and over again. There's a term called gaslighting, and it comes from a 1944 movie called Gaslight. 
um, there was two movie stars in it. And the, the basic part of the story has to do with a man who married a woman in order to try to take over and inherit um, through stealing some precious jewels that were very, very valuable. And so when an aunt passed away, um, he married the daughter of that woman in order to um, put her into an insane asylum. How crazy, crazy is that? So that he could rummage through the house and steal the jewels. Come to find out he was up in the attic one day and while he was up there, the lights were dimming on and off. And uh, then he came down the stairs and she looked at him and asked, she said, uh, did you see the lights flickering on and off? And he looked at her and said, I'm not sure what you're talking about. And then he said, you've not been looking very well lately. That's gaslighting. Gaslighting occurs when somebody strategically twists the truth to make you think that you're crazy or something's wrong with you. They actually do this to cover up their own behavior. Now, some people know when they're gaslighting, right? Some people, it is a thoughtful kind of like this movie, but many people do gaslighting and it's considered psychological abuse. They actually do it and they don't know they're doing it. So once they get some psychoeducation, once they learn about it, once they actually go, you know, oh my goodness. In fact, I've sat with couples where I talk about gaslighting. I explain what, is, what it is. And I've had the one that's doing it say, yeah, I do that a lot. I do that quite a bit. They own it right there. And once they realize it's psychological abuse, they, it kind of wakes them up to this behavior that they're doing that's really harmful. So we really need to think about what we can do to protect ourselves when we have been gaslit or where there's deception going on. Because boundaries are a critical part of getting help for your family, for yourself, and stopping the behavior that's hurting so much. Gaslighting erodes our gut. It erodes our sense of intuition. So learning how to listen to yourself and to believe yourself again, um, boundaries is a way that we can draw a line in the sand to say, this isn't okay. What's happening is really hurting me. I have a whole chapter in my book where I talk about um, gaslighting, blame, and lies. Oh my. And I go into great detail to how you can actually um, not have to believe everything that a gas, someone who's gaslighting you is, is saying, and really how to hold your voice and be able to push back. In one of those examples might be if, if somebody is gaslighting you and making it about you, you can respond with something that sounds like this. Well, that's interesting. That's not how I remember it, right? That's interesting, but not how I remember it. You don't have to take the bait. And so I have got more examples of that in my book. The next dirty dozen and layer is actually the relationship and attachment trauma. What hurts the most is that that committed partner, the one you trusted that you believed would be the one to protect you, is now the one who's shattered your world. It just really hurts when we realize the person that we made the vow to has now been the one to sexually act out without us knowing it. And some of us grow up um, with complex trauma. So we experience betrayal in our family of origin, but we also experienced it in our adult life. This is one woman, her name is Kirsten. She came to one of my conferences, but this is what she said. As a little girl and as a woman, I'm invisible. 
Therefore, since I let you define me, I must be ugly, unlovable, not wanted, not beautiful, not desired. Bless her heart, she had experienced, she grew up in a home where her dad had had, had sexually betrayed on her mother. And so there was a lot of hurt and anger around that. And then she married someone, um, not because she chose him. Um, she didn't know that it was going on. And so she had been doubly wounded and it really hurt her heart. Number five is children and family. And so many of us, our kids are impacted by this. What seems like it's a stealth mission, a quiet mission, a mission of deception. Somebody is betraying you and acting out and they're hoping to hide it from you because they're counting on two things. One, that you won't see it. And two, that you, if you do see it, that you won't call them out. You won't look at it. You will go into your own kind of denial. And so this stealth mission that's meant to be a secret ends up being a weapon of mass destruction aimed at your whole family. It's heartbreaking. I got some, a statistic from Bitdefender, and this is actually a few years old, but at that time, one out of 10 people who were going to hardcore porn sites were 10 years old or younger. I mean, that's crazy that so many of our kiddos through our devices, through our notebooks, right? Through our internet, through their, you know, uh, laptops, they're actually being pulled in and hooked into these hardcore porn, porn sites. They, they just don't know that it's not good for them. And there they sit and there's so much shame and embarrassment and hurt around it. Number six is, speaking of shame, it's shame and identity trauma. I often ask people to ask this, what's the negative belief about yourself in light of what happened to you? What is that lie? What's that negative belief about yourself? Here's some of them that betrayed partners had share, have shared with me over the years. Rocio said, my body was never beautiful enough to catch and keep his attention, that he had to lust after other women but me. Bless her heart. Here's one from Grace, and this kills me every time. Grace said, I'm not worth being faithful to. It's my fault my husband strayed. Can see how she doesn't even have grace for herself. This was a woman who came and she had the negative belief that I am old and unworthy. And this woman didn't even put her name on her piece of paper and that shame belief. So shame makes us want to hide. And Brene Brown, who is one of my sheroes, she's amazing, wrote many books, and she's a national shame researcher. She said that there's three things that grow shame. Three things are secrecy, silence, and judgment. What do you think the antidote to shame is? The antidote is actually empathy. Empathy is you're not alone. I know, me too. I'm in a place where I'm understood and validated and I'm safe. I don't feel like I have to scream anymore. And so the Brave One community that I have opened is a place where betrayed partners can come, feel validated, get some good information, learn about what they can do to get their voice and to stop the crazy making that's happening around them. Um, they feel connected and cared for um, and not judged. Shame also 
plays havoc on our mind. These negative beliefs get wired in at the point of impact. And the brain is wired that way. These negative beliefs get wired in thoughtfully and emotionally and what fires together wires together. So they leave these negative beliefs like I'm worthless, I'm not safe, I'm not in control, I can't trust anyone, I'm not enough, I'm powerless. They get all wired in and then we actually believe that. We think it is true. So part of healing comes by replacing these trauma-induced negative shame beliefs with positive truths about ourselves. There's something I have in my book that I call the 180 degree turnaround. And basically there are several steps where you can actually practice turning those nagging neggies, those negative beliefs around and making them truths. Uh, A negative belief might sound something like this. This was Lori. No matter what I do, I'm never enough for him. So her goal to get to a point where she can believe that I am enough. It wasn't about me. I can't compete with porn. Some of us believe that I'm stupid. I'm not smart enough to have seen it. The opposite is, actually, I'm smart. I've just been deceived. The negative belief that I can't trust anyone, that's the negative shame belief. But the positive truth is, you know, I can choose whom to trust. The negative belief is I'm not lovable. On the opposite side is I am lovable. Their porn addiction, his affair, was not a reflection of my lovability. And the idea that I can't protect myself, right, that um, is basically I can learn to protect myself. When I'm able to walk betrayed partners into these positive truths about themselves, they actually are able to grow stronger. And sometimes I use something called EMDR, which stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. I'm a consultant in EMDR. And this type of treatment was created using REM, Rapid Eye Movement, to help the brain connect that thoughtful brain and that emotional brain that stop talking at the point of impact. That's why they believe this lie. It helps them connect again so that that trauma event can be reprocessed and that negative belief can be moved from that negative one to the positive one. It, it basically unfreezes that tra- un- the traumatic memory and allows you to resolve them. So it brings tremendous clarity when we can, you know, have that negative belief and move it to a place of truth. And then that clarity is so good to get our truth back on. Number seven of the dirty dozen is financial hardships. This is, you know, so many of us are, have decided to stay at home with our spouse, right? And take care of the kiddos when they're little. And so we've left jobs or um, taken a break from work. And so when all this happens, we can be incredibly scared because we don't, have this financial nest egg. And some of us don't even know that um, how to ask for financial, to be able to look at the finances in your marriage. Some of us, it's our hands have been off the steering wheel altogether. There's an organization called wife.org, W-I-F-E.org. I think it's been out there for 30 years or so, but it's really all about helping women in particular um, feel more comfortable about 
their financial asking for financial help and asking for to be able to look at what is rightfully yours in your marriage and so if if you are experiencing financial abuse if somebody is abusing you hurting you and um depriving you of knowledge of what the finances are in your home, you are probably going to need to reach out to get some help because financial abuse isn't okay. And you may need some, um, to talk to a counselor, or, uh, an attorney, someone to help you figure out what is there. The eighth one is spiritual and faith tra trauma. So it's not uncommon. In fact, Whoever God was in your relationship before the betrayal, whatever that relationship looked like, it's not the same. Um, let me read you some of the things that women have said about their faith. And this is after the betrayal. Robin said, I, I not only deserve, but ask for all that happened to me. When I disobey, I deserve to get punished. Bless her heart. She saw this as a punishment from God that she was betrayed. And what a, what a negative belief that was in, in light of shame and causing a, her to believe something about God like that. Susan, and this is common. God, where are you? I wrote a whole chapter on God, where is God? Because I had a trauma. I had a faith trauma, a crisis of trauma. Imagine, here I was marrying a pastor, and then my whole world turned upside down. And not only did it turn upside down, we ended, ended up losing the ministry and lost my house, and my world went up in spokes. It spoke. So I was like, God, where were you in all of this? I was mad at God for a while. And uh, I had to really sort through that. And eventually I came to a place where I discovered that God's role in regards to evil is never as its author. I mean, kind of let's think about it. Sex trafficking, rape, hate crimes, child abuse, and sexual deception, they're all counter to design. And ultimately they, they degrade human dignity. These things don't come from God. I, there's these things called God sightings. I want to talk about for a minute because I don't know what else to call them. Um, I have on my website, if you go to braveone.com, you'll see that I have a place for God sightings. And, and I talk about these in my book as well. And these started happening around five years ago or so. The first one happened uh, when I was in Dallas, Texas at the Hyatt Regency there. And I was doing a healing exercise for betrayed partners, just like you and really helping them move that negative shame belief to a positive place. While I was there, this woman's husband was sitting across the street at Starbucks and, you know, just having a cup of coffee, waiting for her to get out. Listen to this. He looks over at the Hyatt Regency and there was a double rainbow over the building. He was kind of blown away by it, snapped a shot. I didn't even know this happened. We were in there doing this exercise, and I didn't even get the picture until the weekend was over. But they both sent it to me and said, you've got to see this. Well, the amazing thing about it is here is a double rainbow while his wife is working on getting her healing. And God doesn't waste anything because God had that husband look into his phone camera, take that picture. And I believe, and this is just my thought, that you know, God was also saying, I'm trying to heal your woman, your wife, but I'm also trying to heal you as well. I want to redeem you. I want to redeem your family. What a powerful story of hope. And so these God sightings come because, you know, there's 
people that are unrelated that either take a picture of something or um, there's words, there's phrases and emails or whatever. It's all connected. And I'm just the woman that collects these pieces of information, puts them together like a puzzle and, and just is willing to tell the story. So think about it. What happens when the God of this universe spares no expense to step into your story with a message that says, hey, you matter to me. You are more than enough and you are definitely worth fighting for. I was talking about the double rainbow over the Hyatt Regency in Dallas, Texas at another retreat I was at. I was asked to speak at in 2019 at the Prodigal's Restoring Hearts Conference. There was a woman at lunch that ran up to me because I ended up telling the story and she ran up to me and said, oh my goodness, Sherry, you have got to see this. When you talked about the God sightings today, she said, she looked at her phone, she showed it to me and she showed me a picture of the hotel she stayed in. It was the Hyatt Regency in Bellevue. And it was on February, I mean, April 6th of 2019, because I chronicle all these, but it was a rainbow over her Hyatt Regency. So she was like, this is amazing. There was one over my building as well. And then I'll share one more. And so this came from a partner, a betrayed partner who was coming to my bravery after betrayal at Takes Fear of Strength conference. And they were driving through Texas. So they decided to drive out and get there by car instead of flying out to save some money. And she said there was a torrential rainstorm. And all of a sudden she looked up through the window after you know, they passed it and they opened up the window. And it was beautiful, this rainbow. So she snapped the picture uh, right above their car. Well, when she snapped the photo, here is her husband's lovely face with the rainbow over his head. And, and so she said, when I saw the rainbow, I lifted my phone and through the sunroof, snapped the photo. And it reminded me of the God sighting that you shared with us on Friday. Well, of course I covered the husband's face and I made sure to get his permission to tell the story. But, you know, God is in the business of redeeming us. And I just want to, if, if you're struggling today to believe that, I'm holding out hope for you. The ninth part of um, the ninth layer of these dirty dozen in trauma is personal health. So how does trauma impact our body? Many of us get stuck in fight, flight, freeze, and fold. And there's two bodies that govern us. There's two different things that govern our body. It's the parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system. The parasympathetic is basically about freeze or fold. And the sympathetic is about fight or flight. So if you are stuck in freeze, it's likely that you might be feeling depression, maybe some weight gain, you might have low blood pressure or low heart rate, you might feel fatigue and have diarrhea, you might actually have decreased clarity of thought, may even dissociate. If somebody is stuck in stress without relief, then we're anxious, we startle easy, we have weight loss issues, we might have hypertension or panic attacks. I've had some women go to the ER because they think they're having a heart attack. We have aches and pains, we're hypervigilant, we have trouble sleeping, we may even have nightmares, feel emotionally edgy or aggressive. We need to be cared for. And I so often hear betrayed partners say, well, you know, he's the one with the problem. I want you to go get help. I'm good. Figure it out. Do what you need to stop. The toughest part of trauma recovery is that nobody, but nobody is going to care more about taking care of you than you. Believe me, I know this and I know it's not fair. 
as trauma survivors, we have to get on our own gurney in order to get the care that we need. Number 10 is the impact of sexuality. And these are some of the things that women said in my survey, and I just thought they would be notable to share with us. So out of the 100 women, when any time you think, see 100 of anything, you kind of stop and go, what is that about? So the 100 is, I feel violated due to my partner's sexual behaviors. 100% of us said, yes, I feel violated because of whatever they've done. Another group of us said, since learning about my partner's sexual behaviors, I find it difficult to undress in front of him and her, him or her. 88% of us said that. And I remember that because with Connor, I would get dressed in the closet. I didn't want to dress in front of him. I had so much body shame. And this happened after I found out about the betrayal. Many of us, 67% of us, are concerned that we're going to contract a sexually transmitted disease. I did. And I talk about that in my book because I wanted to go first and I wanted to tell you how important it is that you care for your body. I want to make sure that you don't end up um, not you know, having something and then not getting help and it turning into something far worse. Um, 22% of us, this is really painful. 22, that's almost one in five women, uh, actually over one in five women said, I've been pressured to perform sexually in ways that were uncomfortable for me, like forced painful sex or being watched while having sex with others, anal sex, sexual domination or being filmed. I've even had women call me that said, yeah, my husband was videotaping me when I was naked and then posting it out on the internet. It's so wrong. It's so not okay. And it's, it's abuse. It's sexual violation. So in my book, I've got a chapter called Remember When Sex Was Safe and Skydiving Was Dangerous. And I contrast the difference between healthy and unhealthy sexuality. Because really, we're not erroneous objects that are supposed to be disrespected, shamed, or used. We're human beings, and we're intricately designed for respectful bonding that's actually sacred and, and sensuality is meant to be beautiful and intentional. Number 11 is treatment trauma. And this basically happens when you go into a well-meaning person who actually um, may not have the most updated training in either sexual um, compulsivity, right? Um, sexual betrayal, porn addictions, all of that. They may not even be trained in the partner trauma model. So we may go to them and it may be kind of like the doctor I talked about earlier where, you know, they're, you go into the first session and they're asking you for your family history instead of really just hearing about the impact of the sexual betrayal. And it's not that I don't give family history at some point with my betrayed partners when they come and see me because all that information is good. I'm trauma squared. I had sexual, I mean, I had a severe mental illness, as I mentioned, in my family of origin. And so I had trauma from my family of origin. And I also have trauma from Connor, my husband. So it's important that we look at a both and. But in the beginning, I'm really working to help you become, to have sexual safety restored to your house and to figure out what the truth is about what's been happening under your roof. And so you get hurt by people um, when they put it on you, they tell you, you, you know, you may go to a, a, a well-meaning pastor who says, you know what, um, 
yeah, you might want to, you know, maybe go on some more dates or get some new lingerie. Uh, or maybe a therapist that says, trust me, I know he's not acting out anymore and kind of owns that authority instead of going through a process like a truth telling process through a therapeutic full disclosure. And that's all in my chapter on to tell the truth. There's, there's a whole lot of information about that there. And then there's friendships in our community, right? We, we feel so embarrassed. We, our friends stop calling. Um, we stop talking about the stuff that's hurting us because we're tired of hearing ourselves. We feel afraid to tell. We, we tell and we watch some people move away as if we have leprosy, like we're gonna give it, get it from something. Um, they're gonna get it from us. So it's really important that you get into a support group that you can um, encourage one another. A betrayed partners can really heal. They can change, they can grow stronger. We have the ability once we learn the right type of things that we need to, to learn. I wandered way too long uh, from sexual betrayal and I didn't know what to do. I didn't have a clear path. I didn't know how to set boundaries. I didn't know how to ask the right questions. And there was so much grief and loss. I, I remember one time that Connor and I were sitting on the front porch and I felt so discouraged about not things not changing in our relationship. Uh, we decided not to have children um, because of the sexual act acting out that was going on in our home. And so I decided to, um, both of us decided not to do that, but I remember sitting there and the thought went through my head, like maybe one of us will just die. You know, it could be me or it could be him, but I was in such grief that I didn't see a way out and I felt trapped. I didn't know what to do. And so having a path is really important to knowing where to do where to go with what we need to heal. Let me just share with you a few things that right now you can start doing today. Things that would help you feel more whole. So one is finding a group, a safe place to share. Two is being able to do whatever you can to start telling yourself the truth. Um, that 180 degree turnaround, you know, looking at the negative belief, you can write it down on paper. Don't be afraid to just write that negative belief down. I'll give you a simple example. So let's just take the one I'm not enough. You can write that on a piece of paper. And then I would have you turn the paper over, actually turn it over and then write the truth on the other side, which is I am enough. Whatever it is, whatever it takes for you to get to the point that you can move from I'm not enough to I am enough to, let me use another one, that I'm stupid, I'm naive, I, I didn't see this, something's wrong with me. The opposite would be I'm smart. I was deceived. I was duped. I didn't know. what I couldn't see what I couldn't see. And when you can get into truth telling, it actually helps your heart calm down and your body start getting more clarity around what's happening around you. One of the things we need is we need sleep. We need 
six to nine hours of sleep. Dr. Amen, who I worked with at Amen Clinics, he would say seven, seven hours of sleep. And so some of us feel so bad about having to take a supplement, um, like a supplement, um, there's sleep supplements. Sometimes they have GABA in them that really calm our brain at night. There's a company by the name of Nutra Pharmaceuticals that has some sleep um, aids, natural sleep aids. Um, Dr. Amen has some natural sleep aids on his website, amen.com, A-M-E-N.com. Um, or we may need a psychotropic medication. We may need something a little stronger to help us sleep at night. And that may just be temporary. While our body is in that hyperaroused state, we need to make sure that we're getting enough sleep to um, actually have some rest so that we don't feel as on edge and irritable. This stuff is hard to deal with. And, you know, being in betrayal trauma and being with somebody who is sexually acting out is really like a moving target. It, it, it continues to move and flux as they're working on getting into recovery. A recovery group for them would be an SA group, a 12-step group, Sexaholics Anonymous. There's SA and there's SAA. SA, basically the difference between those two groups, SA is about defining what sexual acting out is. And for them in that group, it's no sex with self or others, right? Um, that includes masturbation. They just kind of define that to help the guys kind of reset their bodies and start working on sobriety. The other group, SAA, is basically they get to define what's in their inner circle of sexual acting out. Both of the groups are good. It just depends on what that person is looking for to start working on that um, behavior that has been so hurtful to us and themselves. And then self-care. I don't want to forget self-care. Self-care is critical. We need to be um, taking care of ourselves in light of what would feel good for us. So think about it. What feels good to you? Some people say a hot bath feels good to them. Some people say, nope, that doesn't feel good to me. I feel better taking a, a shower. Some people running makes them feel very good and it energizes them. Some people say, that doesn't make me feel good at all. I'd rather go on a walk. Whatever it is that energizes you and cares for you and restores your energy, I, I have in my office, I go to Trader Joe's. I'm kind of the grocery flower girl, right? Because Trader Joe's um, or a grocery store is inexpensive. You can get some beautiful flowers there. I, I end up having them in my office or in my home on a regular basis. That's part of my self-care because I look at them and I, I just kind of grounds me. Um, lavender is really good for sadness and depression. It, it's, you smell it and it can boost your brain. It can help uplift your brain when you're feeling really low. So there's many, many things that you can do to help yourself feel um, cared for and calmer. Going to the beach, that's another really good self-care option. Um, walk if you're near the beach walking by the water you may not be near the beach so you can go by a creek or a stream or just sit under a green tree for a while and watch the leaves it takes you out of it takes your body out of that chronic state of fear and anxiety and it just lets it have a vacation for a while it's really critical and my goal for you and I really want to help you um, I want to stand beside you actually and 
and to say that, you know, it's enough is enough. It's not okay to be sexually betrayed and um, learning how to lay boundaries down in, in a relationship where there's infidelity. You know, fidelity is not a luxury item. It is something that we asked for and we vowed to when we're married. So when there is sexual betrayal that's going on and that moving target, I want to help you move from shattered, feeling shattered in your life to empowered. Uh, I have this Brave One community. I want to just take a moment to tell you about it. It's on my website. If you go to braveone.com, it's B-R-A-V-E-O-N-E.com forward slash community, C-O-M-M-U-N-I-T-Y. Um, again, braveone.com forward slash community. And it is a private Facebook. It's a closed group. It's a private Facebook group for women that's closed. Now, the reason I have it closed is because we go into a place and it's, it's not a public Facebook page. It's like the intersanctum. There's a couple of steps. There's like two doors back that you go into in order to be in this private room. And when I'm there, women feel much more open to actually begin to talk about what they're dealing with and some of the specifics. And so as part of the Brave One community, um, I get to spend personal time with you. And I, it's, we've got a support group there um, where it's 24-7, where you can go and connect with others when you need it, other betrayed partners. It's a safe place and no shame judgment. And what I do, I have created something called the Brave One Journey. And it's steps that I've found that help a person, a woman move from betrayed to brave. It, it moves you. It helps you figure out how you can be stabilized at ground zero, right? When there's another discovery or when you get triggered, I actually help you learn how to calm your body down at those moments, how to deal with your triggers that are ongoing. Part of it is helping you get validated for what you've been through. Kind of like the ICU I talked about. Um, there's no crazy making in this group. We, we want to hear you and believe your heart in light of what's happened. And then the, the digging out that happens has to do with those dirty dozen. Really helping you understand how, which ones that have impacted you and then what you can do to actually get help for those different layers of impact. I'm going to be teaching something called the Empowered Boot Camp. And uh, it, I'm using something called my empowerment wheel. In my book, um, uh, the chapter on self-care, I unveil something called an empowerment wheel. The reason I created this is I wanted to very quickly help betrayed partners move from feeling powerless and helpless over what's happening to them to into a position where they take responsibility for themselves. And the tagline is I take responsibility for my, myself, my life. I have a voice and I can consider what I need. I can make choices. And sometimes that's like, how do I do that? And so the empowerment wheel and that empowerment boot camp is going to be a way that you can learn how to quickly find your empowered place, your core strength in order to push ahead and forward through the stuff that's been keeping you very stuck. Um, so my goal is to help you care for your body and restore your identity and find your path. In my case, you know, betrayal led to uh, my marriage 
being a casualty. And so I was single again. And so if you're listening to this and you are, you've gone through um, sexual betrayal and your marriage was a casualty and you're now single again, I want to help you learn how not to repeat that same pattern, how to choose differently this time, because you're able to ask questions that vet out those that are struggling with a chronic issue with pornography or um, how to find out about their history when you meet them. If you're single and never been married and you are just so hurting because you're asking yourself, is there even a guy out there that isn't addicted to porn. And I want to say, yes, there are. There are men that this is their issue, that they have compulsively, they they act out to porn. But there are other guys that may have looked, right? But that doesn't mean they go back to looking over and over again. They've seen it and they've realized it's a place they don't want to go or that's just not their thing. Um, I want to help you sort that out. If you're separated right now and you've gone to this conference because you're needing encouragement. I have not only been single and single again, I have been separated. There were times in my marriage to Connor where um, it felt like he was shooting cannonballs of just, you know, betrayal into our boat. We we're on a boat at sea and, and I was there on the ship with him and all I kept doing, I mean, I did what every woman would do is we're taking on water. I began to start bailing out water from the boat before it, it, sunk. Well, that was trauma-induced control, trying to um, manage what was happening around me because I couldn't stop it. So there were times I had to separate from him because he wasn't waking up to what was hurting me. And to be really honest with you, um, we weren't getting the right kind of help. We had one therapist who I love till today. I adore her. But back in that time, they didn't have the same awareness that it's helpful to have two people working with you as a couple, to have somebody like a certified sex addiction therapist, a CSAT, working with the one who's got the sexual secrets and has been acting out. And then on the other hand, to have somebody working with someone like me, who's a betrayed partner. And basically these two therapists, you sign releases so they can talk to each other. And that really helps to coordinate care so that the person who's betraying has a safe place to, to disclose their secrets as, you know, so that they can bring them to you in a way that is um, partner friendly, like you know, taking some of the gruesome details out of it, many of the gruesome details, because it doesn't help us to have those in our head. Um, and then to work through something that you can choose to do if you want, it's called a therapeutic full disclosure, which is a truth telling opportunity. And, um, there it is, the two pillars. And we talk about that on the Brave One journey. It's, you know, these two pillars are getting safety and the truth restored. Um, but some of us, you may be single again. You might be divorced and remarried. Um, and you might even, I've got a couple of friends of mine, precious women that, you know, their husbands were kind of like Connor and they, they divorced. And then the guys started getting very serious about that they were losing their family and their wives and then their recovery um, started. And let me tell you this. So there's, there's recovery and sobriety. So recovery is basically um, a process by which you start working on the sexual problem, the sexual acts that you're actually doing in order to find sobriety from them. Now, sobriety is when is the last time you looked? When is the last time you actually sexually acted out? Sobriety is the goal 
of recovery. And so some people are in recovery and they're kind of kicking tires. They're going, checking the box, but they may still be acting out sexually, looking at, you know, X-rated movies and minimizing that in their mind. So it's really important that they get honest with themselves and you about what's going on and their group and maybe even um, somebody that they have in their group that a sponsor that can be helping them move in strength. My goal with you is to help you get to a point where your strength is renewed. And the word Ezra Konegdo, when God talked about us in Genesis, when he said, I'm going to, you know, he named us a female woman. He called us Ezra Konegdo. Now that word has been sorely represented in many translations and it's often called a helpmeet. but you know what it really means? When you look at the words in the ancient Hebrew, it means warrior, strong fighter. Ezer is the name for God himself. There's nobody else he calls Ezer other than himself. He's capital Ezer, Ezer. So we're small Ezer, right? But together, Ezer Konegdo means warrior companion of fear of strength. So if you're wanting to get your truth back and get help for your family, I want to invite you into my um, community. Um, follow me on social media through Instagram and Facebook. But again, my community, it is, I'm going to mentor you through the Brave One journey. It usually takes about 90 days to go through that Brave One journey. And then I do Facebook Lives that are private. I do private Q&A calls. Uh, I've got a 24-7 group in there that gets it. I've got TNT videos. Those are like videos that I do on some of the most difficult topics um, from your calls. I, I kind of drill it down further. And, you know, you get um, video audio library and the classes that I'm doing, you have access to that. So check it out if I can help you because I truly believe that restoration is possible. And the research shows that with betrayed partners, when they get what they need in order to heal, we can actually have something called post-traumatic growth. That means we actually can heal and grow stronger. So stay connected to me. I've got a workbook that's going to be coming out very soon. It's a companion for my book, Intimate Deception. Um, the workbook is called Healing the Wounds of Sexual Betrayal. I'm excited to get it out to you so that you can actually do this work in small groups. I'm looking forward to staying connected to you. I'm honored that I was able to be here at the Encourage Gathering 2020. And I wish you the very best as you're braving on.